In this week's teaching, Pastor Randy walks you through part three of the series, Growing Pains, called Stretching Exercises. No, not those kind of stretching exercises, but how our journey with God stretches our faith through the people in our lives and through our fruits. And it's coming up right now. So open up your Bibles to James chapter 2. James 2.14 says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, is, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. I hope there's no dead faith in this room, but the Word of God from James chapter 2 challenges all of us to uh, keep that faith alive. How do we do that? Well, faith without action, faith without works is dead. Father, thank you that we have the privilege of being in your house today, that we can get together in the mighty name of Jesus and celebrate your presence. Thank you for what you're doing right here. And Lord, speak to us as we begin to study your word. Thank you that your presence has been so evident as we've been worshiping you now. We're going to get into the teaching. Speak to us, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. A man was doing some work on on his roof, and uh, he unfortunately started to slip and fall. And as he was falling to the ground, now this was a two-story house, so he was quite high. And he grabbed the gutters and was hanging from the side of the roof. And it was a long way down. He knew that if he were to fall, then he would be in, in a whole bunch of trouble and probably a number of broken bones. He was hanging on to the gutters, but there was no one around. So he yells out, help, is there anybody out there? And he hears these words. The words say, yes, I am here. And he says, God, is that you? And he said, yeah. He says, God, can you help me? And God says, just let go and trust me. The man says, "Uh, is there anybody else up there? (laughs) Now, I can imagine how... He was, he was hanging from the gutters. His physical body was being stretched. And um, God was stretching his faith. Today, we're going to talk about stretching exercises. What do we mean by that? Well, stretching exercises by this. I, as, as I was reading and studying James chapter 2, I see that James gives us a number of examples of how your faith and my faith is stretched. God sometimes has a way of stretching our faith and maybe sending our way circumstances that we didn't anticipate or challenges that we didn't expect. And it is all so that our faith can be stretched because when we are stretched, we literally grow. Last week, we closed chapter one of James by talking about true religion, how sometimes there are some people who are not the real deal. Some people know how to talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. And, and now in James chapter 2, he's kind of adding to that conversation as he talks about the various circumstances of how God sends circumstances our way for the purpose of stretching us so that we can grow. 
we may see those as growing pains, God sees those or, or maybe as, as stretching exercises, okay? How we can stretch and even grow in the Lord. Now, before practice or a game, athletes should, most of them do, stretch. Their muscles need to be stretched in order to prepare for running, jumping, throwing, or any other activity that their body's going to do. Why should an athlete stretch? Well, I looked it up and I found four reasons why athletes stretch. Number one, stretching prepares the muscles for activity. Number two, stretching helps prevent muscles from injury, probably so that you won't pull a muscle. Number three, stretching raises the body's temperature so that you can warm up. And number four, stretching increases power and speed. And as I looked at that, I was thinking about how, in a spiritual sense, God stretches you and I. Kind of like an athlete stretches himself or herself in preparation for the big game. You know what? Sometimes God stretches your faith and my faith because he's got something big waiting for you and I. And in order to get there, he needs to stretch us and stretch our faith. This is what we're going to be talking about today growing pains, stretching exercises, because I believe we need to do that. So lesson number one we see from the first portion of James chapter number two. Number one, how is our faith stretched? Loving people stretches your faith. Loving people stretches your faith. Why do I say that? We're going to learn from James here. Is because there are some times that you and I face some hard-to-love people. Don't do any pointing right now. But there are hard-to-love people that we sometimes come in contact with. And then there's times that we don't always accept people, and we, we just need to love them. Remember, we here at Fortress Church, we are all about loving God and loving people. So verse 1, chapter 2, this is what James says as he starts talking about relationships with others. He says, My brothers and sisters, I stop right there because I want to point out Is James speaking to the non-believers? No, he's not. Because it says here, my brothers and sisters. He's speaking to believers. So if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, this is for you, okay? This is for you, my brothers and sisters. Chapter 2, verse 1. And our uh, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. We must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand here or sit by, on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated against, among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Ooh. So James is saying here, hey, you got to be careful. When you check out people, if you have the wrong perspective, you become judgmental. Be careful of that, about that. He says, don't show favoritism. And then even in verse number eight, jumping ahead, he says, if you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. So even in verse number eight, we see that, that, that James is telling us right here, you, you got to love your neighbor as yourself. Love those people and don't show favoritism. Now, favoritism comes in many shapes and sizes. Sometimes favoritism uh, comes and reveals itself in racism, classism, culturalism, prejudice. You know, and sometimes we, unfortunately, 
categorize people. We should have loved people when maybe we categorize them and put them in a place where we don't really love them because of the language they speak or the color of their skin or the kind of clothes they wear. James is saying, hey, can you not just talk the talk but walk the walk? You need to be the real deal. You must love one another. Loving people stretches your faith because sometimes uh, we need to stretch our faith and say, Lord, but that's a hard-to-love person. Love them anyway. But, Lord, don't, they don't look like me. They don't think like me. They don't dress like me. Love them anyway. Do I hear an amen to that? Mm-hmm. Now, when it comes to the food we eat or the television shows we might watch, it's okay to like this and not like that. Okay, well, I like this kind of food. I don't like that kind of food. But it's totally different when it comes to people. We can't pick and choose, well, I like this person, but I don't like this person. You know, the Word of God is telling right here. In fact, in a minute, we're going to read about it. Well, let's go ahead and look at it. He refers to this as sin. Verse number 9 here in James 2. James says this, but if you show favoritism, you sin. This is flat out sin. If you show favoritism and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. So James doesn't condemn the rich person. He doesn't condemn the poor person. He says, let's love them all and everybody in between. Christianity welcomes everyone, every single one of us. That's what I love about the gospel of Jesus Christ, because the gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel of grace. It's a gospel of grace where God welcomes everyone. He welcomes you, he welcomes everyone as we come together And no matter where you've been, amen, no matter what you've done, Jesus loves you and accepts you. Aren't you glad? So can we love and accept others as well? Once again, we studied last week, the last portion of chapter 1, where James even calls us, hey, be careful because you need to have true religion. And when we read in James chapter 1 that there's true religion, it kind of makes me believe that there are some fake Christians. They are not the real deal. Those who are fake are pretty much judgmental. And we who are the real deal, we need to extend grace and love people exactly the way they are. Jesus didn't play favorites and neither should we. You know, and I was challenged by this. I had to ask God to forgive me. A few weeks ago, I received a phone call from a gentleman and I know him. Uh, he doesn't attend Fortress Church, or so he's nobody sitting here. He's not even a member of the church. But he called me because he knows me, and he asked me to do him a favor. And this little thing was going to be probably five or six hours out of my schedule. And I'm thinking, oh, my immediate reaction, my natural reaction is, no, Lord. And I started thinking, okay, well, this, this guy doesn't attend Fortress Church. He's not within the flock. He's outside. And you know what I did? I categorized him as a non-member of Fortress Church. And because of that, my initial reaction was, I'm not going to help this guy. That was my human reaction. Okay, I'm, I'm, being, I'm being open with you guys, okay? But as I was on the phone, the Holy Spirit immediately, it probably took me about 15 seconds when I realized, uh, Randy, you're in sin. How many of you love the Holy Spirit's conviction, okay? <laughs> yeah, and, and when I was on the phone with him, I realized, okay. Uh, immediately. It took me about 15 seconds to respond to the Holy Spirit. I said, okay, uh, what time do you need me there? And, and so I, I agreed to do it. And what happened was I was showing favoritism. Yeah, because I, 
my human response is, I'm not going to help this guy. He doesn't even come to the church. I'm the pastor, and I, I've got, I, I, I got enough people to take care of here, and I love it. But, you know, for me to go outside of the church, uh, I repented, okay? Is that okay? I, I'm, I'm being honest with you. Is it okay if Pastor Randy is open and honest with you? I had to deal with that. But you know what? Uh, and and, and I was, it was a successful opportunity for me to minister to this man and his family. Francis Chan says this, can you spend, I love this quote, can you spend the rest of your life showing mercy and love to so many people who the world has rejected? Hmm, I think we need to do that. And then he says in verse number eight, once again, James chapter two, love your neighbor as yourself. So pretty much what he's saying is love your neighbor as yourself. So if you don't love them, you're pretty much judging yourself that... (laughs) You, you really don't love yourself here. Got to be careful about that. And, and then I love, let's, let's go to verse 13 because I, I love what he says here. Verse 13 of James 2. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now what is mercy? We talked about grace. We talk about mercy. Grace is receiving something that we don't deserve. You don't deserve eternal life, but by the grace of God, you and I have eternal life. Amen. Anybody grateful for the gift of grace? Amen. Now, mercy is withholding something that we do deserve. You know, I deserve hell because I'm a sinner. And can I tell you something? So do you. Because we're sinners. There's not any of us who are perfect. But because of God's mercy, we don't get what we deserve. We have mercy. Now, James is saying, can we extend that same mercy that we receive from God to other people? Can we love people? And, you know, even though they they deserve a punch in the face, can we withhold what they deserve? Do they deserve a punch in the face? Yeah, sometimes they do. But can we let God punch them, okay? God's punch is much powerful than yours anyway. You know, because remember this, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's God's job to judge it's our job to love and then james puts it this way mercy triumphs over judgment our initial response is we judge people we judge people well you know and and we we throw the book at them and that's not what james is saying show mercy forgive them forgive them here's a to another level lesson when you show mercy everyone wins When you show mercy, everyone wins. When you extend the mercy of God, it makes you be more like Jesus. Even if if they don't deserve that, you know what? what, Neither did we. Neither did we. Anybody anybody in this place deserve mercy from God and the grace of God? No, we don't deserve that. But praise God that we can receive mercy and extend it to others. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Judgment. So easy for us to judge, but we're getting some practical things here. Now, I wish I could elaborate more, but actually what I did do is elaborate more in our Digging Deeper Notes. Our Digging Deeper Notes back in the Connection Hub, if you want to study this week, uh, is a lesson called Mercy, the Love of God. And you're welcome to get that. It's a great, great devotional there. Once again, when you show mercy, everyone wins. James chapter 2, how else is our faith stretched? Secondly, number two, works stretches our faith what do we mean by works well let's read about it verse 14 now what good is it my brothers and sisters if someone claims to have faith but no deeds or works in other words 
What are you doing to show that you have faith in God? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Another version of the Bible says, faith without works is dead. There are a lot of Christians who are dying because their faith is dying. Faith without works is dead. The fruit of genuine faith is action. Now, I want to clarify something because I don't want anybody to misinterpret this because the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, he, he addresses this topic about the grace of God and he addresses this topic about works. And I want to clarify this because some people say, oh, oh, James 2.17 contradicts Ephesians 2.8 and 9. So in Ephesians, Paul is writing something. In James, James is writing something. But we've got to remember that they do not contradict each other. Because in Ephesians 2.9, Scripture says, For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So Paul makes it very clear, are we saved by works? No, we're saved by grace. We don't deserve it. It's a gift from God. We are saved by grace through faith. What does it mean through faith? Our faith goes towards God. God's grace comes towards us. Now, and he makes it very clear, we're not saved not by works so that no one can boast. Why do you think God, why does it say so that no one can boast? Because if we were saved by works, could you imagine what heaven would look like? Well, I got to heaven because I, I did this and I served here for 20 years and I you know, and people were going to be bragging about what they did to earn their way to heaven. I mean, that's not the way heaven's going to be. No, no, no. No, we're not saved by works. We're saved by the grace of God. So how does that compare to what James says, faith without works is dead. Wait a minute, does James say that we're saying that we're saved by works? No, James is not saying that. Let me clarify. Uh, he, he's not saying that. Um, is this a contradiction? No, Paul is speaking to sinners and telling them how to get saved. James is speaking to believers and telling them how they are to show forth their faith in God. Paul explains how you go from earth to heaven. James explains how you can bring heaven down to earth. Paul explains how to experience eternal life. James explains how to live this life on earth so that others can experience eternal life. Faith without works is dead. Once again, works, does, is, works is not your ticket to heaven. It's only by the grace of God. But if you are truly saved, if you truly have faith in the Lord, it's going to reveal itself in what you do. That's what he's saying. So it's one thing to say, I believe something, but are you living it out? Someone could say, oh, I believe in eating right. But yet their four major food groups are cookies, ice cream, pies, and cake. Now, they may say, I believe in eating right, but if that's what they're eating... <laughs> I don't know about that, okay? What I'm saying is sometimes we say, I believe in something, but sometimes you've got to follow it up with what you do. Someone can say, oh, I believe in exercise. Yeah, I go once a year, I exercise. Huh? 
they really don't believe in exercise. If you believe something, you're going to do it, right? Oh, I believe in God's word, but they open the Bible maybe once every two months. They don't really believe in the Bible. If you believe something, you're going to do it. Do I hear an amen to that? James is saying faith without works is dead. Just like your car needs gas to run. Your faith needs action to run. A car without gas is dead. A man's faith without works is dead. Now, I, I, I kind of thought about a few axioms that kind of follow up. And I love to, to, to think about certain things that we have the tendency to say. And I kind of jotted them down, four axioms. That kind of, uh, in our day and time, in our terminology, kind of describe what uh, this principle that we're learning from James 2.17. Here's axiom number one, talk is cheap. Anybody heard that axiom? Talk is cheap. In other words, if you're going to talk, <laughs> come on, can we back it up? Okay, that's one axiom. Another axiom is actions speak louder than words. That's a good one, right? Okay, and what is that? It's really talking about what we learn here in James chapter 2. I wonder if people write these axioms based on the Word of God, but that's, it's right in line. Actions speak louder than words. Number three, put your money where your mouth is. Anybody heard of that axiom? Yeah, if you say you're a believer, if you say you support the kingdom of God, well, uh, are you giving to the kingdom of God? Or is it just lip service? Put your money where your mouth is. Uh, number four, you are the only Jesus some may ever see. That's a good one. Why? Because people check you out. People check me out. And if I'm not living the life that follows the Lord, I could be a, a terrible testimony to the kingdom of God. If I'm not living right, if I'm just talking the talk and I'm not walking the walk, my testimony would negatively affect so many other people. So you may be the only Jesus some may ever see. In your, if your faith in God is the real deal, if your faith in God is the real deal, then it's going to be evident in what you do. Back it up. And then verse 18 here. James says, but some of you, someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Whoa. <laughs> what does James say here? Okay, there's a lot of people who say, oh, I believe in God, but they don't back it up with their actions. James is saying, oh, you're just like the demons. Because the demons know there is a God. The demons believe there is a God. They know there is a God. Of course, are they, you know, they're, they're not saved. They're not going to heaven. And there's a lot of Christians who say, oh, yeah, I believe there is a God. <laughs> James is saying, be, be careful here. Be careful. Got to back up what you believe with your actions. He says right here, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You guys, you're going to, you show me your faith, but there's no deeds. There's nothing behind that. There's no works. There's no action behind what you say or who you say you are. I'm going to show you my faith by what I do. Now, once again, am I saved by what I do? No, but it's the fruit of true, genuine faith in Jesus Christ. The real deal. So, the last portion of James chapter 2 how else does God stretch us? Number one, we said loving people stretches your faith. Number two, works stretches your faith. And number three, loving God stretches your faith. Yeah, loving God and our relationship with God is going to stretch you. 
And in this last portion of James chapter 2, beginning with verse 21, he uses Abraham as an example. And I'd like to show you what James is talking about. Let's go on and read this. Verse 21. Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. He says, you see, verse 24, that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. So as James says, we're going to heaven based on our works. No, he said you're being made righteous. In other words, your faith in God by the grace of God is your ticket to eternal life in heaven. But you are made righteous when you combine works and deeds with your faith. If there's fruit, he says, you've got to show that fruit. That's what he's saying here. So let's take a look at his example. His example is Father Abraham. Abraham had a passionate desire for more of God. He's oftentimes referred to as a father of faith. Did Abraham make mistakes? Yes, he sure did. Even though he made mistakes, he made a commitment to believe God and obey God. When Abraham allowed his deeds to work together with his faith, then God took his faith, Abraham's faith, to another level. Even though his faith was tested. We talked about that two weeks ago, that God tests our faith. Believe me, Abraham knows exactly what the testing of our faith is all about. Because God asked him... You can read about it in Genesis 22 to sacrifice his son Isaac on the mountain at the altar of Mount Moriah. Of course, if you're familiar with the story, this sacrifice didn't have to be completed. God intervened and Isaac was saved and there was a ram caught in the thicket that was sacrificed instead. All God was doing was testing Abraham. God tests you and I as well. Well, we talked about that two weeks ago, but once again, we're seeing how God was taking Abraham's faith to another level, or the way we're talking about it today. God was stretching Abraham's faith to, uh, to be stronger and uh, to be able to grow in his faith. It would be one thing if Abraham didn't uh, obey God, then he would not be known as a father of faith. So three quick observations about his illustration with Abraham. Letter A, loving God is done in tangible ways. If you love God, you're going to be, you're going to exhibit it in tangible ways. So when we look at Abraham, in fact, what I did is I looked at the various ways that God stretched Abraham. I I was thinking about this because James was using this example and I thought, well, and I jotted down eight ways how God stretched Abraham's faith. Let me give them to you real quick. Next slide. Uh, God stretched Abraham's faith by telling him to, number one, leave his country, Genesis 12, 4. God stretched Abraham's faith by telling him to build an altar, Genesis 12, 7. Build another altar, Genesis 12, 8. Go to Egypt, Genesis 12, 10. Go to the Negev, Genesis 13, 1. Deal with Lot, Genesis 13. Oh, he had to deal with Lot, Okay. Those, those hard to deal with people, okay? What was God doing? God was stretching Abraham's faith. Build another altar, Genesis 13, 8. Learn the principle of tithing, Genesis 14, 20. And, and there's a whole lot more. I just picked out eight ways that God was stretching Abraham's faith because he does it with you and I. And James is using Abraham as an example. 
And there's so many lessons that we have to learn. Now, speaking about that last one, about learning the principle of tithing, I got to share with you Brother Rob Hereda's testimony. He texted me on Friday about <clears throat> the principle of tithing. And, and he said, uh, I got permission. He was here at the 915 service, so he said it's okay to share this, okay? Uh, of course, I was at the microphone. He couldn't deny me when he was. But uh, he texted me on Friday. He says, I started a new job on February the 11th. I was told that I wouldn't get paid till March the 8th. I've been tithing what I can. Last week, I prayed over the $10 I had to tithe. I put it in the basket. And yesterday, this was Thursday then, I received two checks in the mail. I called the bank this morning and my balance was more than it was two days ago. I just started praising Jesus. Because of the good Lord, I can pay my bills on time for March. Amen. It's a great testimony. But once again, God teaches us lessons. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise for that. I told Brother Rob, I said, God, it was stretching you. In your case, in your area, it was the area of finances. God was stretching you, and you learned a lesson. Oh, yeah, I learned some lessons. You got to learn some lessons. Letter B, loving God is a matter of obedience. We see time after time, Abraham was obedient to God. Okay, God, I'm going to do it. Sacrifice my son. Okay, God, I will do it. And you know what that did? I'm going to show you where that led to, but it was one thing for Abraham to say, I have faith in you, God, but God says, can you do what I'm telling you to do? That's deeds. Put it into action. And once again, God stretches you and I in like manner, stretches us in different areas of our life, stretches us. You know, oh God, do I, how can I serve? Can I put my faith in action? Can, can I serve, whether it's here at the church or outside the church? There's lots of opportunities for every single one of us to serve in the church. But so many of us, we get pretty good at giving God excuses. Well, I can't serve as an usher. I can't serve in, in, with, to help the kids back there. I can't, Lord. I'm just too busy. That's the number one excuse we give God. I'm just too busy. I can't serve. James is saying faith without works is what? Is dead. Those who are not serving God, those who are not doing the works to the, the fruit of their faith in God. James is pretty much, I'm not saying this, it's what James is saying. Your faith is dying. you got to put your faith into action. When God stretches you, just like an athlete we talked about earlier, why do the athletes stretch? Because they're preparing to get in the game. God stretches you and I because he's preparing you for the game of life. And he's preparing you for big things. I believe that. So when you are stretched, I'm going to give you a word of advice. Just say, thank you, Jesus. Lord, I'm stretched. It could be in the area of finances. It could be in the area of your health. It could be in the area of a relationship and on and on. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to trust you in this. And what did God do for Abraham? God, God called him to be a man of faith and Abraham backed it up. Abraham was the real deal. But I reiterate, was he perfect? No. Sometimes we get this idea that these great men of the Bible were perfect. No, Abraham had his share of mistakes. He lied about his wife being his sister, made up that story. He had, he had relations with his maidservant. 
when he wasn't supposed to. Wow. And we say that Abraham, yeah, because he had the right heart. So when, when I look at this, I, I, I'm going to close with this, or letter C, I forgot letter C here. Combining works with faith takes you to another level. Combining works with faith takes you to another level. Now, once again, I reiterate, your faith, you're going to get to heaven. But I want to show you something, what it says here in verse 23. And why I say it takes you to another level. It says, and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. Wait a minute. I want you to understand what the Bible says. It's one thing if I were to say God's my friend, but it's a totally different thing if God were to say Randy's my friend. Are you noticing the difference? It's easy. We can do the talk. Oh, yeah, God's my friend. But does God say, oh, yeah, you are my friend? See, that's a totally different picture. Totally different picture. But the Bible is clear that says, oh, God called Abraham his friend. How do we get there? Well, it's pretty simple. James is saying Abraham got to the point, to that level of faith in God when he combined his works with his faith, and he became God's friend. Are you getting the picture here? There's some people who say, oh, I have faith in God. I'm going to heaven. Yeah, you're going to go to heaven. Praise God. But there's others who say, oh, I have faith in God. I'm going to heaven, but I'm going to back it up with what I do, my actions, my works, my deeds. I'm not only going to heaven, but I'm God's friend. (laughs) I'm God's friend. I don't know about you, but I don't want to settle for just a little bit of faith that will get me to heaven on a D minus. I want to be a friend of God. I want to be a friend of God. I'm going to do what God calls me to do. I'm going to say what God calls me to say. I'm going to live the way God calls me to live. And I will be a friend of God. Would you stand with me right now? Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you what we learn here in James chapter 2. Now, Lord God, would you speak to us? I'd love for you to join with me as we prepare for our time of prayer our declaration, would you repeat after me? Lord God Almighty, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I desire to take my faith to another level. I will refuse to show favoritism toward anyone. I will refuse to judge anyone anymore. I purpose to put my faith in action. I don't want my faith to die. I will not call myself a Christian unless I back it up with action. I will do what you want me to do. I will say what you want me to say. I will go where you want me to go. Today, I purpose to walk in obedience. Amen. So be it. If you're in agreement, would you give the Lord some praise right now? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, we hope you enjoy this podcast from Pastor Andy's message series on the book of James called Growing Pains. We hope that you're learning a lot, jotting a lot of notes down, uh, really receiving this uh, wisdom. Uh, Pastor Andy has also put together some digging deeper notes on this subject of James 2.13, where it says that mercy triumphs over judgment. 
And if you want to check that out, there's a blog article online that you could use for family devotions or connect group discussion or your or your personal study. So you could check that out at fortresschurch.org slash blogs. And it's called Mercy Triumphs Over Judgment. We hope that you enjoyed this message this week. You can stay updated with our new release podcast by subscribing so you can see when we put out new episodes. And we also have Pastor Randy's radio program on podcasts. If you didn't know about it, just search for Rising Higher Podcast on your podcast app and you can listen anytime online. Thanks again for listening. God bless.